You're listening to Leveling Up, where we'll show you how to win at the game of life and business. It's time to power up your skills through life gamification with your host, Eric Sue. Okay, everyone. Today, we've got Tim Sykes, the CEO of TLC Media, which is a community that allows members to interact and learn with the best traders online who actually show all their trades, winners and losers. He's also the co-founder of social charity community, Karmagawa, and he actually funnels, and I'll let him talk about this in a second, 100% of his profits there. He's been featured on CNN, Larry King, Steve Harvey Show, as well as Forbes and Men's Journal. Fun fact, I actually met Tim years and years ago, intro through Neil Patel. We met in Vegas, I think. And Tim, when I first joined Single Grain, before I took it over, was actually a Single Grain client. So everything all kind of comes together now, and it's been years and years. So welcome to the show, Tim. Thank you. It's all connected. That's Karmagawa's logo. We got an infinity sign. Let's talk about that first. Like you went from teaching people how to trade, and then all of a sudden, it's I, I see this Karmagawa thing, and it's growing like crazy. So I want to talk about that first. Yeah. So I mean, I always did well in the stock market, but you know, I used to spend it on cars and houses. Like I bought my parents their own house, travel. Now I'm not doing so much traveling with the pandemic. The cars, I actually sold them all. You know, I got my parents a place. I don't really even need a place. I'm literally working from bed. So I don't have that many expenses. So I was just like, let me just donate it all. So I donate 100% of my trading profits to charity right now. Literally, as we're filming this midday on a Thursday, I've locked in about $25,000 in trading profits. All of it will be donated to charity this month. We're uh, supporting the California, Oregon, and uh, Washington firefighters. So I choose different causes, I'm proud to donate, and then I still teach. So like, even though I made 25,000, it's not just about the money, it's the process. So after we're done with this podcast, I'm gonna make a video lesson detailing what I did right and what I did wrong. I lost on some of the plays, I'll talk about the losses. It's just full transparency in my kind of shady industry where everyone just talks about pick, pick, buy, 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 win, win, win. And I'm like, no, focus on the process. And so in the very beginning, I mean, like you mentioned, your Instagram grew a ton because you had cool cars. Sometimes you would have bed full of money and all that. And I think you grew up to, you, I think it was seven figures plus in terms of followers, right? And at a certain point, you decided to make the transition. So what exactly happened there to get you to make that shift? Yeah. I mean, I used to pick fights with rappers who would steal my photos because they were broke. And then I was like, <laughs> you don't have to bro- be broke anymore. I said this to little Bow Wow, and I signed it little Juju. And I was like, Bow Wow, like you don't need to fake your photos. I'll teach you the stock market. Then you won't have to pretend anymore. He didn't like that. So I grew, yeah, like 1.5 million followers now. But most of you know my people don't even really care. I transitioned to charity because that's more who I was. Like I was always donating a little bit, but you know, charity posts never really did well. We created the Karmagawa community uh, with my photographer friend, Matt Abad, to kind of like just talk about charity more because it's not just about donating money, it's spreading awareness. So we made two documentaries so far, one about saving the rhino down in South Africa. Another one, um, I merged into my love of travel. We went to seven countries to show the really destruction of the coral reefs in each place. So we have a, a whole documentary on the coral reefs. So I think that you have to evolve. You have to merge your passions. You know, I still like cash. I don't necessarily keep it on my bed anymore. Now I donate it to charity. And so I'm looking at the Karma Gala page right now. People are probably wondering, I know I'm wondering for sure. It's like, okay, how does this fit in with business? Like what's the upside? From a a money standpoint, I'm getting my ass handed to me on charity, but I have fortunately uh, several million dollars in the bank. My teaching business does well. I'm able to be able to donate millions to charity. We've now donated nearly $6 million in just the past four years. It's about 
really getting other people to start giving back. You don't have to donate 100% of your trading profits like me. I have a whole business you know, based on students. Most people don't have that business. But donate 5%, 10%, like the money goes so far. We just announced a $1.6 million donation to Yemen, to Mauritius, there was an oil spill. Yemen, I mean, there's a child dying every 10 minutes. So I think that entrepreneurs can really say, wait a minute, we're making a lot of money. If you're not high maintenance, which frankly, you shouldn't be. If I go broke tomorrow, that's fine. I can rebuild it. I think that'll actually be a good challenge. I don't want that to happen. But start dissociating yourself from just money. Like I know there's a whole phrase, a million dollars isn't cool. It's a billion dollars. Screw that. I gave a whole TED talk on why I'll never be a billionaire because I'll always donate too much to charity. I really want people to start giving back. So I'm proud to use my social media to remind that to people too. I wish someone had taught me earlier. I'm trying to teach students, not just the stock market, but the importance of giving back. And I think it's important to lead by example. Did you read that one piece about Chuck Feeney and Fortune like about a week or two ago? No, what was it? So this guy, he founded all the duty-free stores. Actually, his book, it's called The Billionaire Who Wasn't. And so he became really successful. He's actually broke now. So he's given away $8 billion plus dollars. Um, and it was all through, mostly through private charities. And most people didn't know about him or private foundations. So, and then, you know, you have people like Warren Buffett, Bill Gates are like, you know, that's the model that people want to follow. And so what's interesting to me is that you are actively, I mean, you said 100% of profit. So you're doing it while, you know, usually the Warren Buffett's, the Bill Gates, like they're still keeping a large chunk of it to hopefully give it away at the end, but you're doing it as we speak. So well, is there a reason? 100% of trading profits. I still have my uh, teaching business. It also helps me from a business standpoint to, because you asked, there's so many people with chat rooms and they basically use their subscribers to inflate their own personal trading profits. That's how they're doing it. And for me, I don't want that. I want people to realize... I'm alerting, yes, I'm teaching, yes, but I don't make any money specifically from my trading. I want to teach the process. So it's very important to differentiate me from other stock pickers, from other chat rooms. And again, it's my honor to give back. Like money goes so far in these third world countries, people don't even realize. I mean, in Yemen, where there's one child dying every 10 minutes, we're donating all these food parcels and food packages. $45 can feed a family of five to six for a month. Like, think about what you spent $45 on. Would it feed a family for a month? It's insane to think about the inequality. And again, it's not just about the money. We should talk about this more. Most people have no idea. Like, if you went to, like, you know, the random street in LA, do you know what's happening in Yemen? I would say 99 out of 100, maybe 98 out of 100 wouldn't know. They wouldn't know where the $40 could go. Given the choice, they would be like, here, take $40, feed a family for a month. So using social media, especially to educate the millennials, I think is really useful. I don't have Warren Buffett, Bill Gates money. I'm donating a few million dollars, but it's a drop in the bucket. The spreading awareness is great. Karmagawa now has 1.2 million followers. Some of our posts are going, you know, truly viral. Like we're getting 500,000 a million shares. It's insane. I think what this is great because everyone can get around this. And I'm just looking at my mutual friends that follow that account or friends that follow that account. And it makes people aware and makes them want to take action. But on the other side of things, from a business perspective, you're growing so much awareness around this thing. People, again, people can get around this, but from an optics perspective around the, the teaching business, well, it doesn't look like you're just trying to make a buck. Like you're just like, dude. It's a differentiator. There's so many yeah. fakes in my industry. There's so many fakes on the internet. When I used to post like cash or cars, like, yeah, it was my cash. Yeah. They were my cars that I bought, but there's so many people who just like, you know, get a little cash from like a friend for a photo shoot or people who rent a car for a day. So I had to like differentiate myself and just be real. So 
When I talk about my trading gains and my losses, that shows I'm real. When I talk about my charity, some people are like, just do charity and quiet. Why do you want attention? I don't need attention. I actually changed the name from the Timothy Sykes Foundation to Karmagawa because I got, you know, I felt weird like with my name on all these schools. We started off just building schools. We built 70 schools so far. My goal is to build a thousand. I have to thank Neil Patel. He introduced me to Cam. I don't know if you know Cam too. He built schools in Cambodia. I built one of my first schools in Cambodia. But I went there and all the kids are wearing shirts that say Tim and the school says Tim. And I'm like, I'm not doing it like for attention. So we changed the name. And I think talking about the causes more. One thing I want to talk about real quick. This is a normal mask, right? We all use masks. These little strings, animals are getting stuck in these strings. So we did a post on Karmagawa and then I also have Save the Reef that showed cut the strings, cut the straps when you're done with it. Because a lot of people just throw it away. They don't realize animals get into it. They get caught. And this stuff never disintegrates. Like our plastic pollution problem is worse than ever before with this pandemic. And this one mask or your mask won't just kill one animal because it lasts dozens or hundreds of years. It might kill dozens or hundreds of animals. So we have to start thinking about that. We're creating more plastic than ever. So this is our next big thing that we're really going to try to rally against. And just out of curiosity, how are you staying aware of all these issues that are popping up? You got, you know, the reefs, you got Yemen all over the place. I mean, so for stock trading, I'm always looking at world news. It actually really helped my trading this year. I've made nearly $800,000 in profits, which again, will all be donated. But I was one of the first to start talking about coronavirus publicly. We did a post back in January on Karmagawa, a few posts. They were like the most popular posts literally in the world. I was trading the coronavirus stocks, like the potential vaccine makers, the mask makers, the hand sanitizer stocks. So it's part of my job just as trading. And then I post about it on social media too. Like I manage the Karmagawa social media account. I'm a control freak. I don't let anybody else touch it. The part of the reason why we've grown so much is I go on my little Julliptical, I get in a little cardio and I'm like posting on the charity accounts. Got it. That's awesome. You're not Jewish. I'm Jewish. I use a Julliptical. It's a little easier on my Jewish needs. <laughs> Dude, I have a lot of Jewish friends that end up getting one, but they were like, hey, hold on a second. How good is it? They waited for me to test it. Then yeah, they exactly. Yeah. Jews can't do that stuff. That's too intense. I don't know. I like my Julliptical, but I go on my Julliptical. Sometimes I go on a stationary bike, but I have like the bike with the back because I'm like hunched over. So I have like my curved spine that I need to support. I don't like that. I need my <laughs> spinal support. Good deal, man. So let's talk a little bit about the business for a second. So TLC Media, can you, whatever you can share about the company, how's it doing right now and all that? Because you've been doing it for a while. So I mean, literally, we're just trying to keep up. There are so many stocks. I'm sorry, I'm like rubbing my eyes. I'm so tired just from dealing with so many students and traders and just the business has just exploded. I mean, we've quadrupled in the past year and a half and literally just trying to keep up. That's why my hair is like this. I haven't gotten a haircut. I don't have time. My buttons are falling off. Like earlier today, I was like, yeah, I made 8K on this one stock and my K button doesn't work. I'm going to take my K button off. Ah, the one time I needed to come off. Anyways, the K button can come off my laptop. And so it just said like, I made eight today. And people are like, you made $8? And I was like, no, 8K, 8K. My laptop is all messed up. So I'm just trying to keep up in, in every day whether it's coronavirus or right now it's electric vehicle stocks that are surging. There's just been a ridiculous amount of volatility because of how many people are at home. They need income. A lot of people are joining Robinhood. So low barriers to entry. Robinhood is getting like 3 million customers a month. E-Trade is only getting 300,000. So 
the whole world is flipped. You know, people need guidance. People can join Robinhood all they want, but 90% of traders lose. So I'm here to try to teach with my 20 years of experience. How does the business work? I mean, I know initially it was uh, around penny stocks, but I mean, you know, has it changed any? And then how do you guys make money? Yeah, it is around penny stocks, low price stocks. I mean, it's insane what's happening. SPI yesterday, for example, I was buying it at 350. They came out, they said that we have a new electric car. I bought it at 350, sold it at like 370. I made like a thousand bucks. It hits $46 same day. I'm like, this is madness. I rebought it in the tens, but at the same time, like I'm just trying to teach people to take singles, not believe these companies. I say, ride the hype, never believe it. So TLC Media is where I post all my watch lists, video lessons, alerts. We got a chat room. I do webinars. And so it's just a full way of learning. Everyone learns a little differently. On timothysykes.com, there's now 3,000 blog posts. You know, we've come a long way since a few years ago with, with single grain. And now we're just posting so much information and, you know, just getting it out there. And so what can you share around the business? Number of employees, revenues, growth rates, et cetera. I know that we've quadrupled in revenue. I'm not even the specific person to ask about all that stuff. I know that we're just growing like crazy. I know that we have over 60 employees now. I can't keep up. We have like managers of employees. We had a, actually a meeting in Vegas a few months ago, pre-pandemic. You know, I was like, who are all these people? I was like, oh, do, do we invite like the wives or like the girlfriends or the boyfriends of employees? And they're like, no, these are all employees. And I was like, I had no idea. I didn't recognize like half the people. So I'm focused on content. I'm focused on just teaching every day. You know, Zach, I think you know, Zach. Yeah. Um, you know, he's in charge of a whole bunch of other stuff. And we really just keep trying to grow and, and keep trying to teach and, and really find the best students. It's not even the most number of students because most students don't want to learn. They're not willing to study. They just want hot alerts. And I'm like, no, I, I don't want any of that. So I kind of piss people off a lot of the time just with how blunt I am. But I'm fortunate enough to be able to choose my students at this point. We're always looking for more dedicated students, but not people who want to like get rich quick overnight. We have to weed those people out. I think what's important too, because you mentioned, you know, Zach and Zach's been with you for a while. You mentioned you focus on content, right? And that's really interesting with Neil as well. He doesn't focus on managing people or anything. He just focuses on bringing traffic. So yeah. I think what's important for people to know is that you focus on what you're good at and then you hand off all the other stuff that you're not so good at, right? A hundred percent. It's just time management. Like when you're asking me these questions, I literally, I'm not evading the question. Like I have no idea. I don't even care. You know, I, my accountant do all this, do all the stuff with like the numbers. I focus specifically on what I'm good at. And I think more entrepreneurs should do this. I know Neil was actually an early adopter of like getting a chef, getting his regular massages. I think that's very useful, you know, and now I have a chef. I'm actually, have actually a few chefs. I think health is important and you really need to just figure out what you're best at and then spend the majority of your time doing that and really pushing that because no one else can do it. Like maybe if you are a chef, then focus on that. But if you're a tech person, if you're a content person, put in as much time as that because once you achieve kind of expert level, like your expertise really pays dividends many times over and you don't even want to waste even a few minutes on anything else. It's crazy how fast the world is growing, how fast the internet is growing. You want to maximize every opportunity possible. 
So what do you have? You have, uh, you, you, at some point, I guess you'll get a barber. By the way, I love your hair. So chef, do you have a masseuse right now? I'm, I'm assuming you have a cleaner. Like, what do you have? Because people might think, oh, this is, yes, it is a luxury, but you're buying back your time. So I wonder, I'm just curious, what do you have? Yeah, I mean, everything's kind of messed up with the pandemic. I used to have a lot more people in my life. Now I kind of just try to stay away because I, you know, you never know who has it, even if they have no symptoms. I can't afford to get sick. If I'm out for like a week or two, like weird stuff happens to me, right? Like, obviously the death rate is very low, but I'm Jewish. You know, I already have a weak immune system. Who knows? I might be that one guy who has it for like 10 weeks. And if I'm out for 10 weeks, you know, what are my students going to do? Or if I'm feeling tired, my performance is impaired. For me, it's safety. So right now I see very few people, but again, I have a lot of people digital, right? Like we built the team. I'm messaging so many people on the team, whether it's programmers or video guys, like I'm filming a lot more just like this on Zoom. You can do a lot of stuff. Like people are realizing we, can, we live in a virtual world and you don't need as much, you know, in-person stuff. This is why New York City with the ridiculous prices, you don't have to be there anymore. There's a whole debate. Do you even want to be in a big city with a lot of people, with the riots, with so many issues? I really think it's fascinating how much technology has improved over the past few months and how really, you know, the world has gravitated towards technology. Like there's, there's a lot of innovation going on. And, you know, obviously, hopefully we come up with a vaccine, you know, the world returns to normal maybe in the next year or two. But a lot of people are just going to start saying, wow, this is so much easier. Like, I don't need to do this. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah, you have a mass exodus of people from New York, San Francisco right now. It's the people that are kind of early adopters ahead of the curve, right? I mean, I just got back to California yesterday, looking outside, there's a row of 10 cop cars. I'm in downtown LA, right? So what happened yesterday? Well, you know, guess what? Riots. Yeah. Right. So you just got to start thinking about safety. I mean, 2020 is a year of change, not just in the world, but in a lot of people's perspective. And a lot of things like, you know, if you look at like the engagement of influencers, crushed all down like 60, 70, 80, 90% because without their sponsored trips, without the whole industry, they're not that special, right? So I think people really need to start developing their brain and their education more. I'm actually going to do a post on like my fro in a little bit. And I'm going to talk about like, you don't need to care so much about your looks. Like start thinking about how to grow what's up, what's up hair, what's up hair, right? <laughs> I'm going to use that joke, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. There's so many issues with the world. Like It's obviously a sad time, but I think if we start saying, wait a minute, where this virus probably came from, treating animals the way that we do, we need to treat our animals better. We need to treat our planet better. And it's just a whole part of education. And a lot of people thought they were untouchable, invincible. Only this stuff happens in like other countries and third world countries. Now everyone starts to realize it's all connected. It's like an infinity sign. <laughs> I'm just curious. You mentioned you're creating a lot of content. You're teaching, obviously. I guess, what is your daily or, or yeah, what does your daily content stack look like? You're doing webinars, you're doing podcasts. Like, what does that all look like? Yeah, I mean, pre-market, like I'm not a morning guy. Pre-market, I'm getting up around 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So no matter where I was, like for a lot of the pandemic, I was in LA. So I was getting up at 5 a.m. drinking like seven Celsius. Do you ever drink Celsius? I love Celsius. Never heard of it. This is fantastic. I drink coffee now. I never used to drink coffee. But I need like energy, like at 8 a.m. Eastern, I'm doing a pre-market watch list. Sometimes I trade pre-market, really trade between like 9.30 a.m. and like 10.30 a.m. Eastern. That was the majority of my trades today. Then I start, you know, answering emails, posting on social media around like 11 a.m. Eastern. I'm always on New York time because it's all around the stock market. So 11 a.m. to like 2 p.m., just following up on emails and, and too many students. I make a video lesson. Sometimes I give them a webinar. Then I'm back to trading 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern. 
after the market close, that's when I start really focusing on my charity. Maybe, you know, I'll, I'll go on the Julyptical, answer some more DMs, maybe get some nice delivery, some food, but I don't really go out that much. And then I go to sleep and I repeat it all over again. And then I wake up with, you know, we're getting hundreds of new students every day because people get into the stock market. They're all excited. Then they're like, oh, damn, I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, damn, these stocks move fast. Oh, damn, I'm losing a lot. So there's just massive demand for somebody with experience. And I'm here to help. How much is your program? We have so many different prices. It's all over the place, but you can't spend more than a few thousand dollars. There's 1,500 free videos now on my YouTube channel. In case anybody thinks I'm full of BS, I'm like, go watch free videos. I just created a two-hour free guide. We just created a 30-day bootcamp, which is probably my best product. It's $79, and it's like 17 hours of videos with quizzes and interactive homework and stuff like that. So we, we try different stuff to teach. I think anybody that's a marketing nerd should just go to uh, Tim's websites and check out how the funnel is structured. You can look at his ads and everything too, just to get an idea of something that's really dialed in. As you know, I mean, we've come a long way. We've innovated. I'm trying to teach, but we're also trying to grow the business. It's not an exact science. Like everyone's like, oh, just follow this blueprint. No, you have to figure out what's your demographic, what's the opportunity, what's your value proposition, what's the right price point, you know, on this 30-day bootcamp. We didn't know it would be such a huge hit. I mean, we sold nearly 10,000 of them now at 79 bucks a pop. It frankly should be worth $700. But sometimes you offer something that's just so good and people love it and you want people to see that because then they start saying, oh, wait a minute. Now I trust you more. I take your education more seriously. So I think everyone should have a, a, no matter what they do, they should have like a low priced or even a free guide, which kind of becomes like your virtual business card these days. What would you say? Tim Sykes' mission eight years ago compared to his mission now, what do you think the difference is? I mean, I always wanted to just cut through the BS and show that there's a lot of opportunity with penny stocks. Eight years ago, I mean, I was mainly short selling. I was like, you can make money betting against these companies. These are scams. They will crash. Now I hardly ever short sell because even if they're scams in this crazy market over the past eight years in this example, but really in, in the past 11 years, Shorting has just become very tough. A lot of my top students became short sellers. As SPI's run up yesterday proved, I mean, before you would get penny stocks that would go from like one to five, maybe one to 10, and then crash and never to be heard from again. SPI went from one to 46 yesterday, okay? So there's just so much more upside. And I just got a comment that says, ride the hype, but never believe it. And this was my video lesson. So I've adapted to lessen the risk for students and really focus on, I think, what works best for people with small accounts. You know, eight years ago, I had, I might have had one millionaire student. Now I have seven with several more on the verge. My top student has now made 13 million. So back eight years ago, he was just in year one. He had just passed 100,000. So a lot can happen over the years. And I think people really need to realize no matter what business they're in, you're going to have the most success six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years in. So what can you do today, this week, this month to position yourself? properly for years from now. But too many people don't think that. A lot of people in the internet space are like, got to make as much money as I can in year one. And you're just not going to do that. If you think short term, you won't build properly. You won't build a solid foundation. You won't be patient. And you'll probably end up burning your customers and you'll probably end up burning yourself. Just like a lot of penny stock promoters. All the penny stock promoters that you know, I used to expose, they burnt through all their customers, they lost everybody, and people gradually gravitated towards me because they saw that I was right. So people can hate me at first. They can love me. I don't care. What I care about is how you play the game over time. And can it increase your wealth? Can you increase your knowledge account? 
You know what's good? I think, you know, how you grew your first Instagram account past 1 million people was your unapologetically you, right? You, you'll say whatever you want and you'll do whatever you want too. And so I guess the question would be, you know, first Instagram account, people are like, oh, everyone wants a big Instagram account. How do we get to a million followers? You've done it. So you've done it twice. Do you have any advice for people that want to grow their Instagram account? Three times now. Save the Reef is closing in on a million too. You really just have to look at your industry and see where the opportunity is. For me, at first, you know, I'm a stock trader. Why should you get into stocks? Like, what's the reason? Oh, it's money. Let me show off the money. So I did that. I didn't mean to get in, in fights with rappers. I just woke up a few days and like broke rappers would steal my photos and then I would call them out. And like a radio station had me on and they're like, Tim Sykes, you're petty. I was like, I am petty. I accept that. But when a rapper steals my photo and he's got millions of followers and then, you know, Bow Wow did a post like everyone go attack Timothy Sykes. And I was like, oh damn. And he linked me. But because my photos were better than his, I got like 400,000 followers like over two days and people attacking me, what do they do? They put a little L or a little snake emoji and I'm like, I don't feel attacked and I just doubled my followers, attack me more. That was just, you know, a lucky coincidence and I took advantage of it. Then Karmagawa came, I'm trying to show off donations, building schools, not very like sexy stuff online. The engagement was terrible for the first year. So I started partnering with other photographers and videographers. Sam Colder is a great videographer, brought him on a trip to South Africa. We showed the rhinos and how they really don't even have that many years left and we're killing them for their horns. People think that their horns have medicine. It's really just made out of keratin. So we're basically killing them for their horns, which are made out of the same thing in our fingernails, which is stupid. So it's just misinformation. How do we get the actual information out there? We did a long YouTube documentary, kind of bombed, went back to South Africa a second time, made a shorter one minute video. That one hit 30 million views, you know, just getting everyone to share it with like very viral loop style. You try different stuff and you see what takes off. That's all I can say. I can't compare trying to save the rhino with getting in fights with rappers, but both of them went viral. So you have to try to figure out what can you do to really get your point across and understand you don't want to just go viral for the wrong reasons. Like I could post a lot of stuff, but it's not consistent with who I am or with my brand. But if I'm exposing misinformation with rhinos, that's consistent with our charity. If I'm showing off my money and being petty, that's who I am. So I'll show that off. And I think that you have to understand what your goals are, who you are. And then, you know, it doesn't have to be straight, like right to who you are to go viral, but you have to start to think where are the opportunities for people to share it. And a lot of stupid stuff gets shared. A lot of negativity gets shared. TikTok dances now get shared. I'm not a, a dancer. I probably, if I could do a dance, I could probably go more viral. But again, <laughs> I'm not looking for like TikTok kids to get into stock trading. I think that actually would be dangerous. So I'm not even on TikTok. I think one of my imposters has like my TikTok name. I now have imposters. I have like, you know, whenever I retweet a student, the student says seven Timothy Sykes has retweeted me. And it's like Timothy Sykes 004, Timothy Skies. And it sucks because they're trying to lure them into like Bitcoin or binary option scams. So I just have to prove that I'm real at this point because there's just so many scammers. And I think that's true for most industries. You know, I mean, you know, people listen, they're like, oh, you know, uh, they want tactics, right? But I think more importantly, you're giving the high level strategy in terms of, hey, like you're testing, you're experimenting with things. Some things might bomb, right? A long documentary it takes a lot of time, takes a lot of money. But you know, at the end of the day, it's the same thing. I mean, it, when it comes to putting together an ideal client profile, you're just thinking about what might the customer want? How do I iterate on that? And that's it, right? Forget about the tactics. Let's think about the strategy.
Yeah, just literally throw everything out there. On Save the Reef, we did a long documentary on YouTube. That got over 6 million views. The documentary did better than the short Instagram. So if you're saying like, oh, Karmagawa, okay, you did the long documentary that failed. The short one did well, so no more long documentaries. No, the long documentary sometimes, like talking about the coral reef issue, that needed a long explanation. With rhino, it's very simple, right? You're killing the rhino. The rhino are going to be extinct. You're killing them for keratin in their horns. We need to let everyone know that their horns have no medicinal purposes. Very simple. So that's probably why the short video worked. With coral reefs, there's a whole bunch of issues. It's all of marine life. It's all of what's going on in the oceans. So that required a longer documentary to explain the point. So it's all about like, what is the point? What will get people to share it? What's the point of even doing it? You know, for neither of them did I make money on it. In fact, the Save the Reef documentary, like I personally spend $500,000, not even, you know, part of the charity. That's just my own personal expenses. The charity doesn't pay for any expenses. Like we're a legit charity. But I wanted to do something right for the world. Coral reefs, I don't think most people even understand how bad the situation is, especially with marine life. So I wanted to do that. And it's not always just about the ROI. I think too many people are focused on the ROI, especially in your industry. You got to have more goals in life, right? Like if you're already sufficient, if you're already knowledgeable, if you already know that there's going to be value for your services, try and do something for others. Try and do something for the world. When you look back on life, you're not going to be like, on your deathbed, like, oh, what is my bank account? Okay, I hit 100 million, then I can die. No, you're gonna be like, what did I do with that 100 million? What did I do with my time? What did I do with my life? And I think that a lot of the problems we have in this world today is because people weren't thinking about others. People weren't thinking about what they were leaving behind. And we need to change that. I think it's impact over ROI or impact over revenues. That's what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, and, and impact over profits. I love that Elon Musk, I mean, whenever he does like a conference call, he's like, yeah, you know, Tesla's record profits, but you know, we're not trying to make record profits. We're trying to change the world. Like he said, before his stock just went up like 10 times, he said, I think Tesla stock is overvalued. No other CEO says that, right? But he's just being honest. He's being blunt. And that gives him extra credibility. And because he said, I think Tesla stock is overvalued in a tweet, everyone's like, what? This is crazy. Why would you say that? Not one other CEO has ever said that in any tweet or any press release because they're specifically trying to get the stock up. They're trying for record profits. He has a different goal, a different way of thinking, and it's frankly paid off much more than a lot of the people who are always just kind of shooting themselves in the foot. Like most CEOs, I would compare to penny stock promoters. They're just cheerleaders. You're never going to get the real information. I mean, the day before Bear Stearns, filed for bankruptcy. I think it was the CEO or CFO was on CNBC. They said, Hey, how's everything? And they're like, it's fine. Everything's fine. They went bankrupt the next day. So <laughs> you just can't trust management. You can't trust most people. The more real, the more blunt that you can be, that increases your credibility, that increases your value in this messed up world. I love that. So working towards wrapping up now, a couple more questions. What are you excited about in terms of business trends in general? I'm really excited about this whole virtual thing. Like, I mean, I've been using my, I'm literally just on a laptop in bed right now. I love that more people are understanding that you can do this. You don't need to waste an hour getting ready, an hour in traffic, going to the office. Like, you know, you waste like two hours in the morning, then maybe two hours in the evening. That's a waste of four hours doing nothing. 
Now you can get straight to your office, you know, with your laptop or even smartphone. I'm really excited for people to have more time. I know that the, the lockdown suck and this year kind of sucks, but like now you have more time to get educated. We have more tools online with education than ever before. You don't need to spend six figures on college. You can learn everything and more online. Just the distribution of knowledge and frankly, good information. I know that there's a lot of misinformation and fake news out there, but it's kind of like the wild west, right? Like when we were first settling the US, like, you know, there was literally like cocaine and Coca-Cola, like, you know, there were murders every single day. It takes a while to organize everything, but there is so much opportunity. We will eventually organize the internet I'm just excited to see how people start processing all this education and information. Have you heard about Mm-hmm before? It's from the founder of Evernote. No, what is it? No, here, check, check this out. Watch this. I still haven't even clicked Evernote. I'm supposed to use Evernote, but I never got around to it. You see my face That's right cool. now? That's cool. Yeah, look yeah. at that. And I can do presentations and stuff. I can change stuff around. I'm really looking forward to a lack of visuals, a lack of fake stuff like i know makeup is huge and fashion is huge i don't think you need any of that crap i really don't you know there's this whole superficiality promoted by the kardashians and as the kardashians plastic surgeries start to fade and they start looking like the grotesque monsters that they are in the next few years <laughs> i think more people are going to start to say do i really want this do i really want to prioritize if you look what is the stat the average number of photos that like teenage girls take before posting one on social media it's like you know the number I think it's got to, well, I don't know. I'm just guessing it's like 10 to 15. I read somewhere that it was like 37. So whether it's 10 to 15 or 37 or, you know, who knows how they even get that. It shouldn't be that way. You just need to be real and you need to stop caring so much about like, oh, what's the, what's the perfect angle? I'm literally just looking at, you know, this is like my iPhone. I don't even know what number this is. This is an iPhone S. I don't know how many models. Oh, man, I you're have. like Neil with the phone. You know, I had to get him the last phone from a friend. <laughs> well, I have, I have a second phone too, but you know, th this one's for videos. This one doesn't even take videos anymore. Like when I try to take videos, it's all blurry. So I need a new phone. There's stuff I need to do. I'm not perfect, but I think that we really need to start, you know, just looking at things a little differently, not so superficially. And then you can start to get to the gist of things and the value and the core of it. And that's when you really have amazing growth and, you know, amazing innovations possible. I love it. Two more questions from my side. What's the most compelling thing that you've read or watched recently? I really like the Medici's on Netflix. It was a beautiful mix of art and history and a lot of the characters of Game of Thrones. Did you see that? That series? No. Do you know who the Is Medici's are? Have you heard of the Medici's? No. I'm a big history guy, and the Medici's were the richest family in Europe. They basically became the Pope's bankers several centuries ago. They even like were so corrupt, they actually instilled some of like, their family as a few of the Popes. But they also financed the Renaissance. A lot of the artists... The great art that we have today is only possible because of the Medici's. There's a great Netflix series. Were you a fan of Game of Thrones? No, I mean, I only watched one and I was like, I can't get this it. This interview it. is over. Anyway, <laughs> hopefully I'm going to make enough money. If I ever make enough money, one of my charity projects is going to be to reshoot the last few episodes because that everything in the world has gone wrong after Game of Thrones went wrong. We've just fallen off a cliff. And I think if we redid Game of Thrones properly, the world could find its footing again. But the Medici's on Netflix were great. I really haven't had that much time lately to do that much other stuff. Like for me, I'm just looking at the market. I'm trying to keep up. I'm trying not to get sick. I'm trying to just optimize my performance every day. But the Medici's on Netflix was a nice little change. A lot of the Game of Thrones characters. And the interesting thing, it was very subtle, 
but a lot of the Game of Thrones actors were the same and they got their revenge. They got murdered in Game of Thrones by certain characters. And then it was the same kinds of actors, but they flipped the roles. And I was like, yes, vengeance, even though it doesn't make much sense, but I liked it. Got it. So it's called Medici. I just added it to my list. Yeah, Final question it's, it's from my stuff. side. What's one must-read book you'd recommend to everyone? I really like hit makers. Um, it's like the art and science of becoming, you know, what is a hit? And I think that'll work well with your audience. Have you read that? I haven't. I haven't Whoa! read it either. That one is good because it, it talks about a lot of things that become hits, not necessarily the way that you think. Like a lot of the best artists are only really triumphant after death for the wrong reasons. I'll give you a quick story because this one actually really helps. I forget the exact numbers. I'm not great with exact sciences, but there's like seven greatly valued artists from France. And you're like, why are these artists, you know, their paintings go for 50, 75, 100 million. Why is this so? Are they better than others? There was a study done where they took these, I think it's seven artists, again, don't quote me, but let's just say seven artists and they compared their art in a blind study with like 20 other artists or 50 other artists. They did a t blind study. Are these art pieces of art better than the others? And random people would answer, after they did the study, not one discernible difference in terms of talent, in terms of emotion, there was nothing better. Why are these seven artists valued at tens of millions and all these other artists who are technically proficient not valued highly? Why do you think that is? Brand? Yes, but what created the value of their brand so much? Because they're not better technically. What increased that? I don't know. I couldn't even guess. So the interesting thing is there was one French aristocrat who loved these basically broke artists. And he bequeathed the National Museum these artists' paintings along with all the, the famous artists of the time. And they said, look, here, on my death, give it all to the National Gallery. And it became a big controversy because the National Gallery was very happy to accept the famous artists of the time, but they didn't want to accept these seven broke losers. And they were like, no. But in his will, he's very specific. You have to accept all of my paintings or none at all. So it was in the courts for like a year or two. The French newspapers are reporting on every single development and then eventually the National Museum was forced to take everything. So they put all the paintings in the National Museum, which paintings got the most popularity. It was these seven controversial artists, not because they were better artists, just because they were in the press for two years and everyone wanted to see for themselves, oh, is this, is this better? Should, does this deserve to be in the National Museum? And then because so many people came to see it, that made these seven artists more famous than the other people. It's so stupid to think about who became like the best artist. You could train your entire life, but if you just get controversy and press, your paintings could theoretically be valued multiple times more. And that's a really important lesson for all entrepreneurs, all people. If you want success, it's not just about your skill. I know there's a lot of people who say, just be quiet, let your work do the talking. No, not at all. Get loud. Have your work be quality, but get loud and get attention for it however you can. I love that. I mean, look at Dan Bozerian, right? Hitmakers. Although this is his my... stock, I made oh. a few thousand dollars on his stock, but his stock keeps going down. Yeah. We'll save that for another conversation. This is a Hitmakers by Derek Thompson. Yeah. Got it. Okay, cool. Well, Tim, this Actually, has been really great. Story. I mean, there's literally hundreds of stories. I'm adding it to cart right now. But uh, Tim, this has been great. What's the best way for people to find you online? Google is Timothy Sykes a scam and see what happens and start laughing and understand that I enjoy my haters. My first hater was also my first millionaire student. And I encourage the hate because even though the haters think that they're hurting me, they're helping me sift through 
non-dedicated students. I love that. Tim, thanks so much for doing this. Thanks for having me. You may have completed this level, but many more bosses await. If you're looking to level up in marketing or business, just go to singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up to get access to our individual and team training programs. That's singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up.